get on it this week. Sign up. I will sign up later today so you can keep me accountable. I'll have my name on there, and I'm going to obligate my family to do it this week. All right. So anyways, um, we are doing a special Sunday today. It's our annual meeting, and we only do this once a year. It's an annual meeting. And what we do at the end of the uh, annual meeting is we have a vote on our budget and elite team nominee that we have for 2019, actually in looking forward for 2020. But before we get to that point, today's real focus is on gratitude. It's on giving thanks. We're engaging in a spiritual rhythm, a spiritual discipline, um, a spiritual movement, if you would. Um, And together, we're going to do this well. So I'm going to pray for us, invite us to step into this time uh, where we're focusing on something that God has asked us to do. God, thank you so much for this morning. I'm so encouraged by the songs, um, by the prayer, by this time that we can be together as a church. And I pray that as we step into this time of thanksgiving, of thinking about the topic of gratitude and being challenged in it, I pray that you would lead us. And we bring before you all that we are today all that we've been experiencing in 2019, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, meet us here in this time, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So, um, this is going to be a really interesting uh, time that we do today because we're going to have an open mic in a little bit, but I'm going to set this up by talking a little bit through Scripture, uh, talking about why gratitude is so important uh, and then I'm going to explain how we're going to do this kind of open mic time. And then we're going to be hearing um, also from uh, a guest that I've invited to speak, one of our own, Joshia. And, um, and then giving an opportunity for all of us to give voice to the things that, are, uh, that have been good in our lives. But we begin today with scripture. Now, in the ancient world, Paul, in the early church, would go around to different cities in the ancient world and share with people the gospel of Jesus Christ. This good news that, that God had sent his son to redeem us from sin and from death. And it was this groundbreaking, revolutionary message that created uh, communities of faith, faith villages all throughout the ancient world. Now, you'd think that would be a fairly innocent kind of thing going forward, but what he was saying was very radical, and in some places, it met with a lot of resistance. In some places, people were persecuted. In many cases, Paul was actually in danger of losing his life for doing this very thing. It's a little bit different than things are today here in the United States, but that was the context. And in one case in particular, in the city of Thessalonica, when Paul did this, a riot was started. Christians, the early followers of Jesus Christ, were dragged off, and there was this movement by what the Bible calls bad characters in the book of Acts that wanted to squash the movement. They wanted to destroy this Christian movement. And it's in this context that Paul, to this context, that Paul writes a letter later on in the New Testament and says, I'm just so proud of you because in spite of all of this persecution and hardship, you've persevered. 
you've done really well. In fact, your faith rings out. It's an example to many people. And at the end of this letter, this is the verse that we're going to look at today. There's a couple of verses that are, are really significant. Oops, I forgot these slides. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'll read that one more time. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now here... In uh, our context, in uh, American kind of faith, in the American church, um, there's a kind of superficial way of dealing with hardships and problems and and issues that may arise. And it's a very human thing for us to do. We just put a smile on it and pretend like it's not there. You know, some of us are very good at doing that. And sometimes the church is criticized for being kind of like that environment, that community that just puts a smile on things and just tries to forget about problems. Or, um, or we try and hide what is really going on. Because to bring up something unpleasant, to bring up something difficult in life, is sometimes it's considered um, maybe socially awkward. Uh, for whatever reason, there's a whole set of dynamics behind that. I'm not saying this is just right or wrong. I'm just saying this is what we know life to be like in America sometimes. Paul is not saying that. I want to make sure this very clear. When he says to give thanks in all circumstances, he's talking to people who've known what it's like to be persecuted, to face hardship, to be in really bad times. I mean, imagine this. Imagine that your neighbors are always out to get you to destroy you, to drag you off to jail, to to ruin your business or your reputation, to try and uh, destroy your family. That was the environment in which these Thessalonians were trying to, to do life with God. And Paul says this, in all those circumstances, give thanks. Now, why is gratitude important? We're gonna get into that. There's another human tendency that we all have, um, a little observation about all human beings. What we focus on is what we see. What we focus on in life is what we tend to see in life. There's a uh, covenant pastor named Craig Rochelle, and he, uh, he's in Oklahoma. He's part of our, our denomination. They, their, their church came up with a Bible app that many of us like and use regularly. It's, it's awesome. Um, but one Christmas... Uh, his family gave him a scarf. Uh, now, for him, that was a totally new thing. He'd never had a scarf. He didn't really think about scarves. He, he didn't wear scarves before. But once he got the scarf, things were different. He started looking around, and he noticed there's all kinds of scarves everywhere. People wear scarves, you know, and um, he noticed striped scarves, uh, colored scarves, you know, uh, uh, women wearing scarves, men also wearing scarves, and it was just a whole new world to him because all of a sudden, he was focused on this gift that he received because what we focus on is what we start to see. Now, it wasn't like all of a sudden everyone bought scarves on the same day and went out and he just noticed. It was, they were always there. He didn't see them before. 
because what we focus on is what we see. Mechanics, auto mechanics, focus on automobiles, and when they open the hood of your car, they see way more than your typical person who looks and sees shapes and mechanical bits and pieces and you're hoping this thing works and when your car doesn't run you open it and you still look but (laughs) it doesn't make sense to you because an auto mechanic knows because he spent thousands of hours doing it now i went to a chiropractor uh this past week um i had some x-rays done on my back because i've been having issues and he showed me some pictures on his computer of my back through x-rays and i looked at this and i saw blobs you know i just saw it and i was like Okay, I, don't, I can't make any sense of this. But he looks at thousands of these, and he was able in just a quick few moments to say, well, this is not good, this is not good, this is what's going on. Um, he spends a lot of time, doctors can look at x-rays and MRIs, and because they have focused on these things, they see way more than we typically do. Um, Which brings us to another interesting phenomenon. Okay, so in the Olympics, there are three levels of winners, right? There are gold medal winners, silver winners, and bronze level winners. And here's an example from uh, the Olympics not too long ago. Now, um, happiness researchers, um, psychologists, have kind of dug into this to kind of look at what winning is like for people and their psychological states in their happiness studies. Now, you would think intuitively, right, that varying levels of happiness would correspond to various levels of winning, like gold would be this happy, silver would be this happy, and then bronze would be this happy. Uh, That would seem to make sense because it would just correspond to how much you've won. But what they have discovered over time is that that's actually not the case. So... Gold-level winners, obviously, because they have the gold medal, tend to be the happiest, of course. But they found that the next level of happiness is actually with bronze-level winners because most of them tend to be thinking. What they're focused on is they're just grateful to be there. They've beat out a whole field of competition. They get a stand, and they're grateful that they can be part of this winning group in the Olympics. Silver medalists tend to be the unhappiest. And the reason why is because when they receive their medal, they're focused on 0.01 seconds. For the rest of the life, 0.01 seconds, or I didn't twist enough, I didn't turn enough, I didn't do this fast enough. Um, Here are some, some photos of silver medal winners and their responses. And it's, it's kind of the evidence that shows this is what they've been focused on. Um, <laughs> that second level winner, the Asian winner, uh, she's the judo silver medalist from, I think, Japan who, who, who was meant to win gold and was rather upset. <laughs> but they give her a gold medal for facial expressions. <laughs> Why are we talking about this this morning? Okay, why is this important for us? Because gratitude is what we focus on. Gratitude is focusing on the good that has come through God and other people. It is learning to see grace rather than see what our world 
says about us that we are not enough, that we don't have enough, that we are always lacking, that we need to accumulate, that we need to buy, that we need to consume, that we need to become more because there's some product out there that will make our life more special than it is. Gratitude is focusing on the good that has arrived in our lives through the action of God, through the blessing of a neighbor, through the words of a friend, through our faith village, through the different things that that we are involved in. Gratitude is focusing on these good things. Now, question is, how do we do it? I'm going to be really quick here. Now, gratitude might be something that um, starts in the heart, and that's a very good thing. Gratitude might be something that you just think about and are appreciating, and as you're worshiping and as you're, you're you know, as David encouraged us, it, it is something that very begins, that begins very much internally, and, and that's a good place. But gratitude kind of does this multiplication effect when it is spoken out loud. There's a multiplication effect to gratitude. And when we express our gratitude out loud, it blesses others. This was how many people framed worship in the Old Testament through the Psalms. Psalm 145 says it this way, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your work to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. When I hear the gratitude of my brothers and my sisters, I have more to meditate on. I have more to be thankful for. There is a collective sense of God's goodness. Psalm 78, verse 4 says, what will not, We will not hide them from their descendants. I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time reading this. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. If you look through the narrative of Scripture, through the Hebrew Scriptures, the Greek New Testament, all of this together, one of the very common themes, one of the most frequently expressed themes is gratitude. God's always reminding his people, don't forget. Remember and give thanks. And you might think of that as like, well, why does God always want that? Well, it's not just so that he can hear good things. It's actually very good for everyone, for our own souls, for the community that we're part of, and to the praise and glory of God who's given us grace and love. So, this is how we're going to do it today. I've invited a a friend to come up and share. Uh, Many of you know him. He leads worship here uh, sometimes. Um, And we're going to have an open mic where we can come up and share, and I'll give some instructions to that later. I just want to say this, though, before we get to that point. I know that coming up on a stage can sometimes be really intimidating and scary and all of that business. And take it as a faith step. You know, you don't have to say a lot if you're grateful for something. It could be as simple as a sentence. And I encourage all ages to be involved in this, you know, just to give voice to what God has given to you. So very simply, we're going to take the next few minutes to think through these things. Think of three things that you're thankful for in 2019. Josh is going to come up and give some of his 
uh, story, and then I'm going to open it up for the rest of us. Make sense? All right. So we'll begin with a time of silence. And as we enter in, we'll have some music playing in the background. Let's take the next few minutes to recall the goodness of God. So what am I thankful for? Well, I'm thankful that about three and a half years ago, um, God ruined my life. Um, So I was working with a Christian ministry on on a campus, and I I was really, really good at it. Uh, (laughs) Man. I was I was really good. It was great. Uh, I mean, it was it was like a missionary organization. We were reaching students, and and I had I had I had a I had a I, I was I was great. So uh, <laughs> moving on, and and what happened is I applied to staff, and I was like, I want to join you full time. I'm going to marry this ministry. It's great. And then they left me at the altar. Um, they told me no, and and God told me no. Um, and that was really hard for me to hear. Um, what I realized kind of retrospectively was that I had started to build this idol out of this ministry, out of the Great Commission, and I had kind of staked my identity in that, in what I was doing, in, in, being, in being good at something, in, in being good for God. Um, and so much of that was ripped away from me. Going out of that um, was really hard because I didn't really know where to put myself, where to, how to find myself. Um, and at some point, um, you know, I, I, I was trying to figure out who I was without my work. And I told God, you know what? Fine, you, you want me to question things? Fine, I'll question everything. I... I I, I just I don't want you anymore. I don't want to be a Christian, and I just like said, okay, forget this. Um, I walked off for about a week, and it was really, really boring. <laughs> it was it was kind of the boringest week of my life, um, and and I was mad at God, and I was really mad because I was like, I don't want you, and God's like, no, you, you do. Uh, <laughs> and, it's funny, um, I think of, there's a comic strip I love um, where God, it's like Jesus and some guy are standing, and he's like, you know, that's the part of the sand where we walk together. That's the part where I carried you. That's the part, that long groove right there, that's the part where I dragged you for like a few, a few years. And that's how I feel sometimes. Um, I'm thankful that God ruined my life because it led me to access. Um, kind of after Carol and I got married, it was about the same time, and we... We're looking for some place to land, and I was looking for some place to heal because, you know, everywhere else I went just felt too too raw. It it felt too much like what I was doing before, and um, everything was painful. It was so dreadfully painful. And then we came to Access, and that first, you know, that first 
uh, day we came, I think Ted was talking, um, and he used one of his favorite Time Magazine um, covers, which was the um, what is it? The um, no, it's the, uh, the like the death, like the death of American Christianity oh. or something like that. And I was like, man, if, if this church is okay with the death of American Christianity, maybe they're okay with the death of my faith too. Um, and 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 we we stayed, um, and I thank God for that because as we stayed. Um, I was able to kind of start to do some of that healing, start to pick up some of those pieces. It felt like God had put a hand through this like window that was my life, and and there were all these pieces of glass. And slowly, really, God was putting some of these pieces back together. And one of those pieces was kind of um, this idea of like, how do I relate to God now? Um, and I went to one of the soul care retreats that Pastor David led, um, and I remember him saying, hey, you guys, like, like this is a time for you to meditate with God, and, if you, and it's, it's supposed to be restful, so if you need to sleep, like, sleep. And I said, no! <laughs> I'm, I need to get my money's worth out of this. <laughs> uh, and I was like, no, I'm just going to stay up through the whole thing. I'm going to work my way through this restful retreat. Um, but I recalled there was a verse in the Bible that says, God gives sleep to his beloved, to his faithful. And I said, okay, I'm going to trust this. And through that whole process, the prayer that came to my mind was, God, fill me with love for my own sake. That I learned through access, through the retreat, to, to relate to God, that God loves me for myself, for my sake, and that it's okay for me to want that. Another piece of that puzzle, of that, of that glass, was kind of that coaching that went along. I, I started meeting with David and doing some coaching, and, and he kind of worked with me to, to kind of reveal part of, like, who, who am I without work without ministry like who does who has God made me to be if I'm not looking from anywhere outside outside of God um and that was really cool that was able I was able to kind of focus and learn what's the difference between acting out in like who I think I'm supposed to be versus who God actually made me to be um and a big part of that for me was um actually my work um after I didn't have a job, and I was going to get married. I was like, I guess I need a job. <laughs> something, something money. Uh, and I ended up working for a private school um, that I had connections to, and I just kind of thought, like, it's just a thing, right? Um, but kind of within all the process and all these things feeding into each other, I realized that um, that really God put me at this work for for a reason, and that all through my life, God had given me a heart for people who were kind of on the fringes. And when I was started working with the ministry, that wasn't my focus. Um, it, w- it was efficiency, and the fringes aren't efficient. Um, but at my work, like, I'm reaching all these kids who, I mean, they, they're so far from God. Um, a lot of these kids are, have been hurt by Christians, they have very negative views of Christianity. And, and sometimes I, I really do think that I'm the, like, the only positive Christian influence in their lives. Um, 
But what I realized is like, that's what God, who God made me to be. Is that I don't care necessarily about like, oh, you're going to become a Christian tomorrow. It's great. Um, or like, but like, if I can show them love every day, that makes a relationship with God believable for them. It's possible. Um, so yeah, I thank God that he ruined my life uh, because he's been able to put it together in ways that I never thought was possible. And he's continuing to do that. Thank you. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much, Josh. Uh, thanks both for your vulnerability and willingness to share today. Um, we're going to have some uh, time for all of us to kind of come up. So um, I'm going to ask and invite you to come up to the front. Just line up here uh, on the next to the stage. Um, and I know it might be a little awkward or quiet for a few moments before we get into it. That's okay. Um, but uh, this is your time. So come as the Spirit leads you. Is it on there? Yeah. Um, but I can't not express my gratitude. So if you don't know me, my name's Ben uh, Smith. I've attended here for about five years, although I haven't attended as much this uh, fall as I would have hoped. So um, uh, I wanted to share my gratitude uh, for a medical condition that I had recently diagnosed. And I'll probably feel a little emotional, but I'm going to be good. So um, that I haven't really talked about this with tons of people. So um I'm a cancer doctor. Uh, if you have breast cancer, call me. Um, I'll take great care of you. And uh, I'm so passionate about taking care of my patients and um, helping restore them to health and life. Um, so this summer, uh, well, I ran into a friend of mine who said, you know, I've been having all these GI issues. I thought I had cancer. I went and had my, so we're all cancer doctors too, so you know, I know you're not used to that, but um, he's like, I went and had my like, EGD and colonoscopy, and I have these medical problems, but I'm going to be okay, but I have to change my diet. And I said, yeah, you know, I think I should have a screening colonoscopy. I just turned 45. The American Cancer Surgeon's guidelines were changed to 45 instead of 50. I tried to get my screening colonoscopy at MD Anderson when I turned 45 in March, but then they turned me down, and they said they're not abiding by the ACS guidelines. And they'll, they said, congrats, you don't need one. Wait until you're 50. And I said, but I don't feel great about that. You know, my wife's a GI cancer doctor, and I just don't want to die from a GI cancer on her. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is all true. Um, so he's like, oh, yeah, well, um, Manu Bhutani, he did my GD and colonoscopy, and he's such a great guy, so you just call him up. He'll take care of you. So, you know, I, I send Manoop an email. I'm like, hey, Manoop, you know, I'm friends with Joe. He just did his scopes, and he, I, I think I should have mine done. So he's like, yeah, I'm happy to see you. Um, so I put in my own referral to see him. Um, <clears throat> 
And he's really busy. He only has clinic on Thursday morning. So, like, I put it in in July, and I'm busy, too. So I, I end up getting an appointment to see him in early September. I see him. He's super nice. And we're like, okay, well, let's do this October 4th. Um, so I go, and the prep is not very much fun. I will be the first to admit that. But I, you know, do the prep. I show up on Friday morning. Um, and then I, I scope from above, scope from below. Um, had a tough time waking up. They gave me too much anesthesia. Um, but he comes in and he's like, you know, everything looks okay, but there's like something indenting your cecum. Um, cecum is the first part of the large intestine where the ileocecal valve is. Um, <laughs> we can Google it after class. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I won't freak out about that. Um, so five days later, I have an ultrasound. They don't see anything. And he's like, you know, I don't feel good. So Manu calls me. He's like, I don't feel good about it. We need to get a CAT scan. It's like, okay, you know, I won't freak out about it. Um, so a week later, I have a CAT scan, you know. Oops. I'm a doctor. I look at it right after. I was like, oh, it looks good. I don't see any masses. Um, but I'm not a GI doctor. So um, the next day, like, I talked to the radiologist. And he's like, well, you have this. But your appendix is really dilated. It looks like a balloon. And so a normal appendix should look like my pinky. Um, and mine looked kind of like that. So it was about, um, uh, I think they measured it 8 by 4 centimeters, but it was actually bigger than that. So it was big and dilated, and it was something called a mucosil, which um, I didn't really know anything about because, again, I don't go below the diaphragm. Um, and so I learned, like, it could be benign, uh, it could just be, like, a little blockage of the appendiceal orifice, um, or it could indicate, like, just a very low-grade, not-scary tumor, or it could indicate sort of something bad. Um, so, um, and so, of course, you know, we have a world expert on that at MD Anderson, um, who happened to be hiking the Appalachian Trail the day that my CT scan came back. And, of course, Manoop calls me. He's like, you know, you need to see this guy, Paul Mansfield, and, but he's on leave. So then Paul texts me while, uh, on Friday night from the Appalachian Trail, and we talk. And he's like, you know, I need to see you. This needs to come out. And I was like, well, when can you operate? He's like, oh, I think I'm free on October 29th. I was like, okay. So, um, and in the meantime, I start to have progressive pain, and I don't know exactly why, but it's probably because the CT scan contrast dilated my appendix further and sort of sent me over the tipping point. So I'm getting progressively miserable um, and feeling kind of uptight, and I have some preoperative blood work, and one of the markers of cancer is a little bit high for me, too, and so that's pretty freaky. Um, and so on October, so I have another bowel prep on October 28th in preparation for surgery, so I got a twofer. Um, and October 29th, I have surgery. And um, so the thing with these things is they can disseminate throughout your abdominal cavity, and that's really bad. Um, and so I wake up in the recovery room, and the surgeon comes, and he says, you know, your, your abdominal cavity was fine, your washings were fine, which is a way to look microscopically to see if there's any malignant cells. Um, and he only had to remove my appendix because he could have had to remove some of my bowel, too, and he didn't know going into surgery. And so I was able to go home the next day as opposed to being in the hospital for three days. 
And three days after my surgery, of course, one of the world experts on appendiceal tumors reviews my pathology, and the report comes back, and I have a big honkin' low-grade appendiceal mucinous neoplasm, a lamin, in case you didn't know that. Um, it was 11 centimeters, and it was 0.5 millimeters from rupturing. So basically, if it ruptures, then you get these cells and mucin throughout your abdominal cavity, and it's treatable. Some people die from that. Some people do okay. Um, the treatment is horrible in this awful surgery where you're like out of commission for a long time. Um, and so thank God mine hadn't ruptured. Um, I've probably been there for years. And, um, you know, I'm just so gra- <laughs> grateful. I'm still out of work. I have not been able to go back to work yet, probably December 2nd. Um, but, you know, I, I mean... This whole series of events, if it hadn't happened, I could have just shown up in, like, you know, some crappy ER somewhere in two months with this thing ruptured and get awful medical care um, and be in really bad shape. Uh, but instead, you know, God's hand was on me. And um, all these crazy little things of me ending up getting basically the best medical care you could ever imagine. Um, And I'm just so grateful. And uh, it's really a miracle. Um, It's weird to go um, from a doctor to a patient, and now I'm in like a week and a half, go back to be a doctor again. And I realized like when I had to go get my blood work for my CAT scan, I was like, this is really weird and awkward to sit in the waiting room with all the patients. Um, You know, like, of course, like, you know, three people run into me who know me, too. Some of them are my patients. Um, And so it's weird. Um, And then I had to get blood work for my follow-up visit. And then, like, so I was feeling awful, could barely function, Um, walked in wearing crappy clothes. Well, actually, I was dressed okay. But... um, (laughs) but my pants felt too tight because my abdomen's still swollen, so I was uncomfortable. Um, and then I go to the lab, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, these are my people. I'm, like, the, feeling like a patient now. I'm not feeling like a provider. Um, and uh, it's weird to go back now to being a provider and uh, sort of, like, you know, be able to tell my patients, you know, I'm a patient here, too. Um, and uh, hopefully in ways that just encourage them and, and give them hope and comfort um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's amazing and a miracle of, uh, the, the symphony of voices that God puts in this world to touch other people, and, you know, for me, that symphony is being part of this 21,000-person team that, uh, touches people's lives every day. Um, for you, it might be being a teacher, a pastor, or an accountant, um, but God puts us all here for a reason, <laughs> to make a difference in this world for his good. Thanks. Thank you, Ben. There's a phrase that we learned today in worship. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. Can we say that together? You are faithful, God. You are faithful. Amen. We're going to go a little long today, but I I hope you don't mind.
my stepfather. <laughs> Rick. Uh, I'll, I'll be brief. Um, this past summer, Ted's family and his brother's family and my son got together in a villa in Italy for one week. And it was just the most wonderful time. Uh, I think everybody really, really loved it. Right, Emmy? Right, Mia? <laughs> we, we, we had a great time. And it kind of reminds me of something that I thought of many years ago. Life is all about relationships. And if your relationships are, are strong and good, then life is good. Your relationship with your family, your spouse, your kids, your boss, your dog, your money, your God, if all those relationships are strong and healthy, then life is good, no matter what happens. So anyway, we, we had a great time. I really loved it. The other thing is, I read the Bible almost every day. And that book is the most incredible document in the world. I mean, it's no wonder it's, it's, it's so well-known. And it's no wonder it's so reviled by so many people. But all I can tell you is read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Thanks. You're faithful, God. You're faithful. Amen. Good job on the slides. That's good. Hi, I'm Carol. Um, so I guess for me, I've just noticed, you know, I've talked to like a lot of different friends and family and every single person I've talked to has shared with me that they're going through these like crazy major life changes, like job changes or they're moving or whatever. And that's true for me as well uh, going into this season. And I told Josh, um, you know, I just don't think it's a coincidence that so many big changes are happening for pretty much literally everyone I've talked to right now. Um, and so I'm just thankful that um, even though it's really scary kind of going into these like big life changes, um, that I know God is moving even in all of that. So um, that's, that's what I'm thankful for is that even when things don't make sense and we don't know what it's going to look like, um, like, God is faithful and that he is moving and that we can trust him to take care of all of the important things. Thanks. Thanks for the encouragement, Carol. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. Amen. Uh, okay, so... Usually I say, like, during school, like, oh, man, I hate school because we have all this work to do and homework and stuff. But, like, I'm actually pretty thankf uh, thankful for my education because it means, like, I can get a good job later on in life. Um, and I'm thankful that, like, in uh, fifth grade, I got accepted into this pretty good school. Um, and now I'm at that school, and I have a good education. <laughs> and I'm also thankful that I'm zoned to a good high school, so I don't really have to worry about high schools. 
that much. Uh, so yeah, I'm just thankful for my education, even though I say I hate school all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you are faithful, God. You are faithful. Thank you. I'm going to take this time then to, to say a few things that I'm thankful for before we get into the actual annual meeting stuff. Um, but I want to encourage you, uh, this was a special time for our community, and, and we can keep it going. It's not just about Sunday morning. It's about how we live our lives with God. This gratitude, focusing on the goodness of God, and remember that as we go from this place. But a few things I want to call out before we begin our annual meeting section. Our, our year, 2019, began with the theme of hope. Romans 15, 13, this is our theme verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We spent months uh, meditating on this and various themes through our Sunday morning teaching. Um, we had baptism this year, so we all little soul first, soul community mission. A number of soul uh, things happened. Um, uh, David and Vincent, uh, Elena and Asher, so... Oh, just so many things to celebrate. So that was wonderful. Um, over the course of the year, in 2019, we had 138 people involved in LTI events hosted by AXIS. So that was here. Um, that included Enneagram workshops, uh, discernment, and other things. We still have more before the end of the year, but 138 is our running total. And we just celebrated LTI's anniversary, a 16th anniversary here uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, Steve Machia, the founder, was here, and he really gave thanks to AXIS for being strong supporters of this ministry. And and he was giving credit for this church being one of the reasons why it's taking root here in the city. So blessings to LTI. We're glad to see David moving into that uh, new role uh, as they expand here in Houston. Uh, community. So community is our second section. Things that I'm thankful for here. We have life groups, formation groups, and activity groups. In the fall, we had six life groups happening. And this was really strong for us because... Most of those were all new leaders. We've had a lot of transition in leadership over the year, the last two years here, and a lot of you have stepped into those roles. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for creating space for friendships, spiritual friendships to happen. Uh, we have ongoing formation and learning groups and activity groups, including hangout or uh, basketball and other things too, wonderful things. And we have nine new mission partners this year, so that's also stuff to be thankful for. So we are growing in that sense. Um, among our younger members, we have now 50 regular kids in preschool and under. Okay, so wow, just observe that for a second. That's some of you say, is that something to be thankful for? Yes, it is. Of course it is. That's a lot of kids. Um, but I know that has also required a lot of volunteer help on Sundays, so thank you for, for volunteering and teaching. We um, have something like 14 newborns in 14 plus months, um, and that we're in the middle of that season right now, so that's a great thing. Um, Mid-South Camp, we have the, the biggest uh, 
attendance this year and the most diverse camp in the Covenant Church. So that's a really, that's a thing to be proud of because some of our relationships are leading the way in the covenant. So that's a, that's a wonderful thing. We had a retreat this year that was very significant for a lot of people. Um, the retreat featured uh, sacred storytelling. So we learned to listen to one another. We learned to talk about our race and our ethnicity all within Christ. And I felt like we really made some new steps forward uh, in deepening our community. And then a couple of things around mission. We had our alternative Advent grant uh, that was last year, but we actually executed it this year. We gave away uh, something like $2,500 to uh, several different groups. We were blessing our neighbors. I am so grateful to be a part of a community that thinks outwardly and wants to love our neighbors in that way. So we did that, and we have some new friends in the neighborhood because of that. Uh, oops, sorry. Um, oops. So anyhow... I'm going to invite Phoebe up to share, never mind those slides, um, and she is going to lead us off in our annual meeting today. So uh, Phoebe is our chair of our lead team, and I know she loves public speaking, so could you all give her <laughs> a, a hand and welcome her? <laughs> this should just take about five, ten minutes. Yeah, it'll be a quick meeting. So um, as many of you know, every year we host an annual meeting to vote on our budget, um, which you can see up on the slide, um, as well as any changes to our lead team. Um, So this is going to feel a bit formal, but I now officially call to order the 2019 annual meeting for access. Um, So this year we're voting for two items. Um, The first is our 2020 budget, which you can see up on the screen. Um, And hopefully many of you are familiar with some of the details of this. Um, We hosted a town hall meeting a couple of weeks ago where we went over some of the um, the details and um, heard some questions, answered some questions um, from you all. And then there's an email sent out um, earlier this week. Um, so there's, that's the first item. Um, the second item is that we're voting to confirm Gloria Chen um, for the nomination to become part of our lead team in 2020. So feel free to take a moment to um, read her personal statement on the screen. So we do invite everyone to be part of the voting process because we do want to hear from everyone. Um, but we just want to... Um, you know, acknowledge that approval, formal approval is really for mission partners. Um, so when you go to your ballots, please make sure you indicate if you're a mission partner or not. And then if you go to the next slide, um, so there's two ways you can vote. Um, you can either um, type in that, um, I guess, that link into your browser and your phone, or you can text vote um, to that number, and it'll email you the link, and then you can click on it. Um, so we'll just take a few minutes. Um, I'll let you all go through the voting process, and then we'll wrap up. So I don't know how much longer this will take. This is, I'm slow on the phone. Um, But uh, we wanted to end today with a sense of celebration and gratitude that we can do collectively. So the worship team is going to lead us in a song. Um, I know if you're a little bit tighter on time and you need to get going, that's totally fine. You can do that. But if you want to stay and you want to just declare the goodness of God through song, through worship. Please stay and do that. Can we all stand together? This will be our closing song. I'll close this in a word of 
prayer at the end of this too, but this is our way of concluding our annual meeting. Okay. That's what we're going to do never once instead of the other one. Okay.